Logical Progression, Year 4, Chapter 14, Lesson 14. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka lana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'alta wa sahla wa anta tajlul hazna idha shi'l sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Okay, guys, so um, today, inshallah, we will cover the rest of the, um, well, in the list that we have said, what's the uh, text? Uh, do you want to read it? It is sunnah for the one listening to the adhan to silently repeat what the muadhin says. Yes. It is sunnah for the one who is listening to the adhan to silently repeat what he says, yeah? So that's part A. B. Say the hawqala every time they hear the hayyala. To say the hawqala every time he hears the hayyala. And then number three is the specific dua. Uh, because Sheikh Uthameen, he, um, he finishes off with that third point, um, and he doesn't actually include much discussion of the other ahadith on the matter, I want to bring in other ahadith in this part of this discussion right now. Okay? In, in this discussion right now. Wa so the hawqala is said in the hayala. Now these two, let's, let's, let's look at this. So we've already done the, the previous one. We did it in a lot of detail. You say exactly as what the Mu'addin says. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ said that. However, there are so many different hadith that there are different opinions of exactly what should be said. So let's add this one to the mix and then you recognize why that there is such a discussion. So the first point I want to say is that the word hawqala and hayala are two artificial words. They are literally created by putting phrases together. So the hawqala, hawqala comes from la hawla wa la quwwata. So they basically put haw and qala together. So that's why when you say to someone, uh, do the hawqala, it means to say la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. The hayala is exactly the same. Hayya'ala salah. So they call it the hay ala. So whenever you hear the Imam say the hay, the Mu'adhan say the hay ala, then that's what he's referring to. And when we say the hay alatain, then that's the two hay alas. So hay ala salah, hay ala salah, hay ala falah, hay ala falah. So the point that's being made here is that after number one, we've said that you repeat after the, the Mu'adhan, you repeat after the Mu'adhan what he says. For point two, he says, but you say the hawqala when he says the hay ala. You say the hawqala when he says the hay'ala. Now, the reason for that, the reason for that is because the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith of Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab, I think I mentioned it last week, um, this is what was, um, this is what he said. The Prophet ﷺ, Umar bin Khattab said that when, the, when Bilal, he made the adhan and he said, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, then the Prophet ﷺ said, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, and then carried on, carried on. And then when he said, Hayyala salah, the Prophet ﷺ said, La hawla wa la quwwata billah. So we have an interesting uh, situation now, okay? We've got a lot to discuss, but the, the, the most immediate point is, what do we actually say ourselves? On one hand, the Prophet ﷺ said he, is saying, say it, what he says. On the other hand, the Prophet ﷺ has changed it when he says, Hayyala salah. And so the ulama, they divided into a number of different opinions, a number of different opinions, okay? About exactly what should be said at this moment. And I just wanted to... Um, 
cover some of those with you because I think that they are good in a, from, a, from a study uh, point of view. The Prophet Sallallahu um, uh, has said a number of different statements whilst the adhan has been going on. For example, one, one, in one hadith, the Prophet Sallallahu said when the, the adhan was going on, he said, Al al-fitra. So a person said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, meaning that, you know, Allah is greatest, Allah is greatest, that person is upon the fitra. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, which is of course the tawheed that we're all born upon, he said this person is upon fitra. And another narration which is sahih, it is an authentic hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, um, when the person said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah, ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah, the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith of Aisha, وَأَنَا وَأَنَا So that's sunnah also to say when you hear the person say that the shahada, أَشْهَدُ Allah, The one who's listening says, وَأَنَا وَأَنَا And me too, and me too. Because he's saying that I bear witness nothing worthy of worship of Allah. Me as well, me as well. So this is the sunnah, this hadith narrated by Abu Dawood. And it is, insha'Allah, hasan. It was considered to be upon the... Uh, um, uh, and other, a number of ulama, they said that the men of this chain is a chain of the two, sahih. But the point is, this hadith is good. If it's not a hasan, then it is sahih, meaning it's an authentic hadith. Also, the Prophet um, we uh, have with respect to the same tashahud. And I want to start here first, that when the Prophet وسلم, heard the person say, يَتَشَهَّدْ أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ اللَّهِ he said, وَأَنَا أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَا وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبُدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ رَسُولًا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا Okay, the Prophet said, فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ قَالَ ذَلِكَ غُفْرَ لَهُ ذَنْبَهُ Whoever says this statement, then his sins will be forgiven. Very simple hadith, subhanAllah. Huge reward. So I'm going to say this a few times so that you can memorize it and try to remember this. This is an extra thing which has not been added. As I said, the Hanbalis did not mention it in this text because I said to you before, this is a very basic text. And you can't go into all the full details. This hadith is the hadith of, Say- of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas and it is narrated by Imam Muslim. It is Sahih, narrated by Imam Al-Nasai and by Ahmed as well. The hadith again. Um... The hadith again, let me give you the exact uh, text for it. When the Prophet Sallallahu the, the, the Alaihi Wasallam, uh, he would say, uh, he would say when he heard the Mu'addin say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ana ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la, wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. Raditu billahi rabba, وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ رَسُولًا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا In the notes that will come up soon, within the next one, two weeks, inshallah, the notes, this hadith will be in there, okay? Just if you're worrying, how can I get the text and how can I find the Arabic, etc., etc., that you'll find this in your class notes, inshallah. The Prophet ﷺ said that whoever says this, when he says, أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ then he will, be, he will have his sins forgiven. Question should be asked. Um, and, and, and as I said before, um, it doesn't also, you don't actually have to say all of this, alright? The sunnah is also to say, وَأَنَا وَأَنَا, which is basically the same thing. Because what is the Prophet ﷺ doing? 
He's saying, well, if you're saying, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, well, you know what? So do I as well. If I was to translate this, then the translation of this hadith would be, me too, I also bear witness, there's nothing worthy of worship. Um, and he is alone, he has no partners. And that Muhammad, and he didn't say, and I bear witness. He didn't say, wa ashhadu anna Muhammad. He said, wa anna Muhammad. And that Muhammad is his servant and his messenger. I am pleased with Allah as my Lord. And I am I'm pleased with Muhammad as a messenger. And I am pleased with Islam as my religion. As the religion. Sallallahu alayhi wa So that's the translation of the hadith. So if you've understood what I've just said, that the translation of the hadith, then you understand in the other narration, when he says, وَأَنَا, وَأَنَا, then it's basically the same thing. It's like the shortcut version. Okay, it's a short version. Alright? Um, to go back to the point that we were talking about, which is, when do we actually, what do we actually say? Right? When, what do we actually say when it comes to the hawqala? We know that the Prophet ﷺ will say, لَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ and we're going to talk about what it means in a second. But what do, how, how can we understand? Anyone got any ideas? One hadith is saying, say what the Imam says, uh, the Mu'addin says. And yet we have another narration which has yani this. Let me just tell you that some of them, some of them, some, uh, some of the, the ulama and, and, and uh, Sheikh Al-Bani said that this is narrated from some, some of the Salaf. They said that the only thing that you say is what the, the Mu'addin says. And these other hadith were, were not yani, acted upon. So the la hawla wa la illa billah hadith not acted upon. So they would almost ignore it, quote unquote. So you just repeat, so they would say, a muaddin would say, hey Allah salah, hey Allah salah. You would also say, hey Allah salah, hey Allah salah. Is that clear? And that's a small minority position. There are three more possibilities. There are three more possibilities. What do you think they are? To say both. Okay, good. All right. So to say both would be, you hear the Mu'addin say, Hayya uh, al-Salah, you also say, Hayya al-Salah, and la hawla wa la quwwata billah. So that is one opinion, okay? That is one opinion. This is um, the opinion of some of the later Hanafis, and like Ibn al-Hammam, Ibn al-Hammam, and uh, also it is one of the opinions of the Hanabila, okay? It is also one of the opinions of the Hanabila. What's very interesting about this, very interesting about this, is that they said that the reason that they do both is that if there is a possibility of being able to combine a specific hadith and a general hadith, then you should combine it. So they use an usul, that's the reason they do it. If there's a, if there's a possibility of combining a specific and a general hadith, we combine it. Okay? The second position. Huh? The end, the end? No, that's not one of the options. No, what's another one? We'll, we'll just, say, huh? And then what does that mean? So the rest of the adhan is normal, and then just la hawla. Correct. Okay, and that is the position of the majority. All right. So that basically means when he goes, Ashhadu Muhammad Rasulullah, Ashhadu Muhammad Rasulullah, Ashhadu Muhammad Rasulullah, Ashhadu Muhammad Rasulullah. Hayyala Salah. He says, you say la hawla wa la quwwata billah. So basically, you repeat the entire adhan after him. Except in the Hayalatain, you now then say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Now, this is the position of who? This is the position of the majority of the scholars and the Shafi'is, and it is the position of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab as well. Okay? And it's also the position of Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan as well. Here's the interesting one. 
The fourth position, anyone know what the fourth position is? Want to have a guess? So we're talking about the one who's listening to the Mu'adhan. Only talking about the one listening to the Mu'adhan. What could be the fourth possible interpretation? You have a hadith saying, say what the Mu'adhan says. You have another hadith saying, the Prophet ﷺ said, La hawla wa la illa billah. Right? So far, we had three opinions. The first one is that you ignore la hawla wa la illa billah because it is not strong enough to overcome the very, very strong command of the hadith which says, say as he says. The second position was that you say yani, what the Imam, the Mu'addin says when he says, except in the hay'alatayn, you say la hawla wa la illa billah. We said a third opinion was, let's combine the specific and the general hadith and we say everything which the Mu'addin says and we'll say la hawla wa la illa billah as well. Yeah? What's the fourth position going to be? The class position, by the way, is this third one, the one I just said, which is that a person, uh, uh, or, sorry, I don't know about the third one, but the class position is to say la hawla wa la quwwata billah only during the hay'alatayn and not say anything else. That's the position of the majority of scholars, as we said, yes? That's the position of the majority. It's also the position of the humbly text that we're studying. That's our class position. It's Sheikh Uthameen's position as well. The fourth option is to alternate between them. Taratan hadha or taratan hadha. So sometimes you will say, Hayala salah, hayala salah. And sometimes you will say, La hawla wa la quwwata billah, la hawla wa la quwwata billah. Does that make sense? And the reason why, and this is the position of Sheikh Al-Bani, and it's a minority opinion. It's a position of Sheikh Al-Bani, and he's very strong upon it. And it's a minority opinion. And the reason that this opinion exists is why he says that, first of all, first of all, it's not possible to be the other opinion, to say both of them. Because it's not, there's no such principle that when there is a specific hadith and a general hadith, that you combine them and do both. The whole point of there being a specific hadith and a general one is that one has to be chosen based upon the evidences. And so for him, you can't have them both together. It doesn't make sense. Now, the sense thing is important because Sheikh Al-Bani has used sense to negate the idea of combining both of them. He says, sometimes you'll do one, sometimes you do other. He, in defense of his position, he said, you know what? This is very common in the dhikr. This is, at, the, at the end of the day, this is dhikr, isn't it? We are, we are in a chapter of dhikr. And in dhikr, we know that we are often alternating between different ones. And he gives the example of dua al-istiftah. You know, we say, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. You know when you start the prayer? We also know that the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khataya, and so on and so forth. And we also have other ahadith as well. No one says, think about this, that you say, Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, and Allahumma ba'id bayni. You don't say it together, right? Yet we know that each time the Prophet ﷺ, when he was teaching this, he would say, say this, say this, right? And so the, all the scholars understood it as, say this sometime, Say this sometime. And so that's what Shaykh al-Bani's point is. And it makes sense, actually. It makes sense. That the principle of dhikr is that you alternate. However, one of the problems with Shaykh al-Bani's opinion is that the hadith exists very clearly of Sayyidina Umar and Muawiyah that la hawla wa la quwwata billah was clearly said as an exception. Right? And in the other one, it is said with, you know, uh, the, the repetition. And also... Uh, yeah, anyway, and that's it's a minority position. The other interesting thing is if you're using your aql, okay, I know this was very interesting because a lot of people discussed this. They said, what's the point of 
Some people even said that you are mocking the Mu'addin if you follow the first opinion. What's the first opinion we said? He doesn't say La hawla wa la quwwata billah, right? That's what we said, right? He just copies the Mu'addin. They said that you are mocking the Mu'addin if he says Hey ala salah and you just repeat him. Hey, come to the prayer. And he's like, hey, come to the prayer. They, they, they said that there has to be an ijaba. Yani the whole point of the mu'adhan is that he gives the adhan and then you respond to it. And if you respond back to it by repeating the question, you're not responding. Now, that's interesting. I mean, it's a bit of an extreme to say that you're humiliating or you're making fun of the adhan. But we can extend it and say certainly it makes a lot of sense for the statement La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Right? So let me explain to you the statement of La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Listen carefully to this. The statement of La hawla wa la quwwata. Hawl, hawl. La hawla wa la quwwata. La hawl and la quwwata. Hawl means to change. From hal ila hal. Hal means a situation, another situation. So there's no change. There's no change. That's what literally it means. And quwwa means strength. We know quwwat means strength. Yeah? So there's no change and there's no strength. Except with Allah's permission. Billah. Except by Allah. What this hadith means is that it's not possible to change from one set of circumstances to another. Whatever you want and however strong you are, however clever you are, whatever. There is no possibility of you changing your circumstances except by Allah's will. And the number two is the quwwa. You don't have the ability. There is no power for anything to happen except of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, uh, permission. So you do not have the ability to change and you don't have the power to do it anyway, regardless of the change. You need the ability itself. So there is no change in circumstances and there is no ability to do anything except by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is that clear? That's what la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah means. Now think about this. If you are actually awake and you are understanding what I'm saying, you'll also be able to say to me, why is it then that people say this statement when something bad happens? Yes? So when something bad happens, people say, oh, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. You know how packs do that, yeah? Right? So we have to ask ourselves, why would you say that? Why would you say, what's the ilaqa? What's the, what's the connection between this, which is a clear statement of dhikr, yes, and bad news? So the guy had a crash, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. What's that got to do with that? What's this dhikr got to do with the crash? Yes? Or, I don't know, any bad news. Do you get what I'm saying? But that's a very, very ingrained thing. And the irony is, is that whenever you see in the sunnah and in the Quran and in the sunnah, the mentioning of la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, it's always in the positive sense. There's, not, there's no negative sense connected to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله إنترني أنا أقل منك مالا Yes, وولدا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he tells us in Surah Al-Kaf the story of the two men who are discussing this issue the other one he did not say as some kind of disaster did he? He didn't say لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله as some kind of disaster he's saying that with the with the ability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change the situation and by him give me the power you will see what will happen. You will see, he said it in explanation. Okay? Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he wrote about this. He said one of the big mistakes of the people is that they, instead of following the sunnah when it comes to disaster, they do bid'ah basically, and they use a dhikr, 
which is an excellent dhikr. And the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, which is sahih, that it has been kunuz al-jannah. It is from the treasures of paradise. La hawla wa la illa billah. Right? Now, um, meaning that it's a dhikr. We should be saying it regularly. And it's like saying la ilaha illallah. It's like saying alhamdulillah. It's a praiseworthy, powerful statement. La hawla wa la illa billah. Ibn Taymiyyah said that the Prophet ﷺ clearly told us that whenever there's a problem and a disaster, what do we say? Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And people think, you see, this is the problem. Again, ignorance. People think that's the only thing that you can say if someone dies. So the guy's got to die before you say inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And of course, that's not the case. Even if you trip, you fall over some kind of problem. Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un. My number of hadith that show the Prophet ﷺ mentioning this statement in some kind of bad circumstance. But never ever, la hawla wa la illa billah. Now, if you've understood that, what's, how do we advise people? Because it's a big, yani, silly mistake. But that's all it is. It's not something more serious than that. We should try to educate them and say, you know, brother, that this is not the right, this is not the sunnah to respond to this way. And a person who does it, yani, ajanak or something because he's not realizing it, you know, will let it pass. But if a person is into the habit, and that's what the problem is, most of our people are in the habit. That something bad happens, la hawla wa la quwwata billah. Then we should sit them down and explain. Akhi, this is a, this is a form of dhikr, which is a praise. And if a person said it naturally as a response, we'd, we'd let it slide. But if you believe that every time something bad happens, I've got to say it, this is incorrect. And as I said, this is what Ibn Taymiyyah said, and he's right, of course. One and then two. You mentioned that it's in Surah Al-Fatihah. This is only Masha'Allah. Uh huh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, la hawla. You're right. The is not there. I mean just the phrase, I mean the, the, uh, the, 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 um, the back end of quwwata illa billah, la quwwata illa billah. Yeah. Meaning, what Qurtubi is trying to say is that the meaning in Al-Kaf is like the meaning of the actual Asl Sunnah statement. Taban, because the hawl, the hawl, is not referring to the actual action itself. It's the irada. Do you understand? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, masha'Allah, whatever He wills, la quwwata illa billah. Yes? Which in a way is like, la hawl, meaning that there's no possibility of the situation being changed, and you don't have the ability either to do it except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's leave. So you're right, it's not la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, in the Quran, but its meaning is the same. Yeah. So is this an age-old thing where it's had this negative connotation? I don't think it necessarily age-old. I think there might be even some scholars that might have made some kind of ta'wil. It's not just an Asian thing. No, I don't think it's just an Asian thing, no. No, no. I mean, it's very prominent amongst us, of course, yeah. But, um, I, 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 yani, you can't go out and say it's bid'ah, and you can't make major thing about it, but you should change people's, you know, and correct them. But probably some scholars along the line, they would have said, you know, that they, you, can, you know what it is? First of all, scholars are very dangerous people, as you know. They can explain and blag anything, yeah? And number two, when you say to them that make a connection between this zikr and this situation, they'll find a connection. Yeah, and it's a very general statement, la hawl wa la quwwa. You can say, yes, you see, when there's a disaster, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can fix it, yeah? La hawl wa la quwwa illa billah. You could make up all kinds of, yani, you know, Psychedelic stuff, but you know, yes. Uh, Just um, on your point about Nalilla, they only been seven point of death. Yeah. Um, 
maybe that's the case because linguistically it makes sense. Yes. Correct. How is it applied when you break your leg or something else? Only because the Prophet told us. Right. So yes. No, other no. that's a very good point. That's a very good point. If we're using the example of la hawla wa la la billah and proving it linguistically, why it shouldn't be applied, the argument could be applied and said, well, okay then, let's apply that same argument. Inna lillah doesn't seem to suggest anything other than death, right? And what we know, and the reason that we do use inna lillah for other circumstances is because the Prophet ﷺ told us that when there is a musibah, a person is afflicted with something, he says, Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un. The other riwayah is that you should say, La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. But nothing at all about la hawla wa la illa billah. And it doesn't fit linguistically. And we have, have other hadith which indicate that it's meant to be said repeatedly, etc., etc. And here, this is one of the most authentic hadith that involves la, la hawla wa la illa billah. And it's now refer. it makes sense, yes? Hey, come to the prayer. All right, well, I'm coming. But you know what? I'm only coming because of the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Him giving me the ability. So Allah gave me the hawl and Allah gave me the quwwah that I'm going to come. So I will respond to your call, but only by the permission and the ability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It makes sense as well. You understand what I'm trying to say? So when it comes to these positions of four, four positions, um, Sheikh Ibani's one is a minority. The first one's a minority. Combining the saying both of them is a minority. The majority is the one that we say. You repeat after the mu'adhin, and then, at the, and then uh, during the hayala, when he says, la hawla wa la quwwata billah, la hawla wa la... You say A question which comes to my mind which there is no evidence for and this is something which is difficult. Does a person when the Mu'addin says Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah wa anna ashadu Allah illallah wa anna wahda wa sharikla wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh The full is long. Do I say four times? Or do I say it just once? Okay? That's difficult. And I don't know the answer to that question. And I didn't find any of the ulama, uh, when, they, when they asked it, give any evidence for either position. It's an had matter. Because the Prophet ﷺ, the hadith doesn't say that he said it four times, but the meaning suggests that he did. The meaning suggests that he did. However, if he did, then this in person has said, Ashhadu Allah illallah. We're still talking, you know, for another 10 15 seconds trying to finish off that dua. And then a person saying, Still, Ashhadu Allah illallah is moving on, moving on. You're kind of playing catch up. So Allah knows best. I think it's sufficient if a person does say it once, but maybe it's best to repeat it as per the basic principle. Yeah. 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 But I think I correct. You're absolutely right. Um, but the siyak of the ayah and the translation translation of the ayah certainly does suggest death, a return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's not what happens if you fall over or you cut yourself or you get bad news, you know what I'm saying? So that's the, that's the issue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow we only focus on the anfus, yani only. Yeah, and, and actual, uh, 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 correct. Uh, as Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar says, the two verses in Baqarah, they, they said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you will be afflicted with the hunger and you'll be affl- afflicted with, uh, uh, you'll lose money and you'll lose your fruits and kada. But it also mentions, of course, you'll lose your life as well. Yes. Right? And it seems that we have focused on the life part. And the ayah very clearly states, very clearly states, that it's, 
if you, you're afflicted by any of these matters. Yeah? But I don't know, it's like a pack thing. Yeah, and we, all, we have it computed in our head that's only if someone dies. Yes. And actually, if you do hear someone say, Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi rajiun, you say, who died? Yes, yes. <laughs> who died, where, yes, whatever. Yes. So it is, and that got, that's what happened. That's yani, the, what the side effects of not following sunnah. The community is not following sunnah, so everyone's on having heart attack when someone says, yes. yani, Inna lillah. If I receive a message saying, Inna lillah, yes. I know the next part yes. is going to be yes. the, the name, the janaza details, and whatever. And that's what we've created for ourselves, so we've got to live with it. Yani, what else can we? Be? And also, if you look, for example, if you say now, uh, Shaykh Muhammad Abdul uh, Hassan Al-Jadid, Rahimahullah, yes. the way the people say, yes. he Sah, 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 sah. But, 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 that's the reason the reason I'm thinking that's different is that is there any wajh in yes. Sunnah to, to find Mercy being sent upon someone, there is rahmatullah. Mm-hmm. But when you speak, when you're speaking to them mm-hmm. directly, mm-hmm. but when you're speaking in the ghayb, yani in the third person, that's also good. It doesn't mean that they're up, they're dead, yes, because you might think that it means it's dead, uh, and it's third person. No, I was trying to say, yeah, yeah, sorry, correct, yeah, 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 exactly. What Muhammad said is, is right. The point is, is that in the Quran, in Surah Al-Isra, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to make dua for our parents. And the way that it's being said is that, oh Allah, have mercy upon them. And that does not necessitate that the parents are passed away. In actual fact, the whole ayah, siyak of the ayah, is that don't speak to them like this. Don't speak like that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Lower your wing. And then say, dua, have mercy upon them. So that's a very good uh, point. Well done. Very, very good point. MashaAllah. Because that indicates that they're alive. Mm-hmm. But as Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar said, if someone, if you heard someone say, Sheikh Dedo, Rahimullah, people say, oh my God, he died. Yeah. yeah? So again, there's a, there's a big gap between the Quranic yani asal, the Quranic way the word is used, and how people use it. This is, this is a dua for Allah. So again, it's not an evidence for using it in day-to-day speech. And I don't think yes. Sheikh, we know from Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, from his advocacy work at the time he used to Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. In the direct, in the in the second person, it's it's well known. We we say that to people. But the real the real issue is this: What about when it's the third person, Ghaib? Yani, do we have when you say have mercy upon him or her? Do we have that? So that's good. Um, what else can we say that is from the Sunnah with respect to the um, Azan? Actually, let's see what Sheikh Uthameen says. What else does he add? So I just want to give you a. a, 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 a I actually wrote down my preferred translation for the statement la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah write it down as follows okay there is no change that can be brought about there is no change that can be brought about and there is no ability to do anything and there is no ability to do anything except by Allah's will except by Allah's will again there is no change that can be brought about. There is no change that can be brought about. And there is no ability to do anything 
and there's no ability to do anything except by Allah's will. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. It's very long, but the reason it is long is that you have a very clear understanding of exactly what it means. Okay? And even subhanAllah, Shaykh Uthameen here says as well, فَهِيَ مَشْرُوعًا عِنْدَ التَّحَمُّلْ This is, uh, this, this statement, it is legislated to be said when we want to do something, change circumstances, yani do something, go from one state to another state. وَهِيَ كَلِمَةُ اسْتِعَانَ It is the kind of phrase that you use to seek help by. Oh Allah help me, let's do this. لا حول ولا قوة. It's the kind of thing if you were to set off from your house, you would say لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. Let's do this. That's how we should be using it, not like how we use it. And that's why he says, وَهِيَ كَلِمَةُ استعانة. It is a word which seeks help. وَلَيْسَتْ كَلِمَةُ It is not a statement to be said يعني, in the place of إِنَّ لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّ إِلَيْهِ رَجْعُونَ Okay? Um, and he, as, as I said to you before, he said when the, when the Mu'adzin says Hayya ala salah, then he is asking you to be present. He's telling you come to the masjid and get there. Now you have sought the help from Allah subhanahu wa taala, and that is Haythut barra'at min hawlik wa quwwatik ila dil hawl wal quwwah azza wa jal. You've basically said to you know when you so when you when you made this statement, you said you know what I don't have the actual the. The, the way to bring this uh, <coughs> change my scenario I don't have the ability to get to you except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's leave okay um, what else can we say I think I mentioned that as well last week isn't it about um, I mentioned last week that it's a message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he legislated these ahadith and the rewards, and I covered some of these rewards, isn't it? That the Mu'addin who gets all of the Ajar, that we will get the Ajar also just for repeating it. Just for repeating it. And there's some other ahadith that I wanted to say to you, subhanAllah, which are very, very powerful. Very, very powerful as well. For example, I just want to mention the Iqama. We are talking about the Adhan, right? The Mu'addin. When the Mu'addin says this, when the Mu'addin says that. What about the Iqama? What about the Iqama? What's the evidence for that? Why not the rest? Hmm? Yes, you're right. Everyone does do it. It's true, isn't it? Yes. Everyone, everyone just says the last line. So, um, there are some scholars that said that there's nothing for the iqama and the hadith of the mu'addin is only for the mu'addin. Uh, for the adhan, sorry. And then you have the opinion of a number of scholars Certainly the Shafi'is, some of the Hanabila, certainly Shaykh Lalbani, which is that you repeat exactly as the Iqama is done. So the one who is the Muqeem, the one who gives the Iqama, he is the same, you, you treat him the same. And they argue that the Hadith that says, uh, that the word Mu'addin is like the power word to cover everything. They said like for example when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers, not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Yani when we talk about al-shams wal-qamar, the sun and the moon, they're sometimes called al-qamarain. Yeah, al-qamarain, the two moons. Yeah, here they mean the two bright lights effectively. صح? So sun is being covered in, so the idea here is that when you say same as the mu'addin, 
then it's referring basically to the adhan and the iqama as well. And so here, by their definition then, you would then repeat every single letter that the mu'addin says, and the, 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 whoever's given the iqama, you would repeat it. What about qad qamat al-salah? Yes, which is? Aqamahullahu wa'ada. Yeah. The, 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 there are some people that the Shafi is actually uh, the madhab which really really push this. They said that when the when the muaddin says qad qamat salah then you say may Allah establish it and keep it going. Okay, that's the response. But this hadith is weak, and it is clearly weak, and so one should not say that. So what should we say? Just qad qamat salah qad qamat salah You repeat after the one who gives the iqama exactly as he said it as well. So. Um, the next question is then, do you also include, Yani saying, La hawla wa la illa billah, in the iqama as well? Yes, by definition. Does that mean that you also then say, Wa ana ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la, wa anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh, raditu billahi rabba muhammad nabiyya wa bi islami deena? Yani, should you? Again, in principle, yes. Now the good thing of course is that this is not something which is obligatory. And it's sunnah. And therefore done sometimes and not done other times. Those, yep. those are qar that you've mentioned. Yes. specifically mentioned for the adhan. So, th- so this is the point. They said that is this adhan, and some people said it's only for the adhan and there's no repeating it for the iqama. Mm-hmm. However, the others they said that no, whatever has been said for the adhan, it is being covered by the statement, uh, uh, the iqama and anything happening for the iqama is being covered under the ruling for the adhan. So for example, let me give you a hadith. One second. Uh, let me give you so... Let me translate to you what uh, Hafiz bin Hajar said in uh, the commentary to this hadith. Okay? He said that the majority of the commentators, they said that this word adhan and mu'adhin is bin bab al-taghlib. That it dominates yani, and is to be used for both. فَقَوْلِهِمْ الْقَمَرَيْنِ لِلشَّمْسِ وَالْقَمَرِ وَيَحْتَمَلِ يَكُونَ أَتْلَقَ عَلَى الْإِقَامَةِ أَذَانِ لِأَنَّهَا إِعْلَامِ بِحُضُورِ فِعْلِ الصَّلَاةِ Because this actual iqama is also a call to the establishment of the prayer. And we know we have the other, the, the, the really obvious point here, the easy one, is we know that the Prophet ﷺ said, بَيْنَ كُلِّ Salah. Salah. Okay, yes. So there is a, uh, between the two adhan, there's a prayer. A prayer. And we said that before, I think, yes? Two raka'ah to be prayed for anyone who can between the two adhans. Which two adhans? It's not referring to the fajr of Bilal and fajr of Ibn Umm Maktoum. It's referring to the adhan and the iqama, and the iqama here has been called an adhan. You see what I'm saying? So there's enough supplementary evidence to show that you can call the iqama adhan. And then when you hear the mu'adhin being referred to, then we can also apply that to his... Uh, um, yeah. And, and, this is, and, and this is the opinion of Ibn Hazm as well. فَإِنَّهُ فَهِمَ مِنْ قَوْلِهِ عَلَيْهِ فهم منه أن الإقامة داخلة في هذا الأمر بدليل الحديث فإذا حضرت الصلاة فليعذن لكم أحدكم The Prophet Sallallahu said that when the prayer is يعني, established then let one of you make the adhan Ibn Hazm said that this is the command to the iqama 
Because if the, if the prayer is present, it's slightly different than saying if the prayer time has entered. Does that make sense? He's translating it very literally. And this is the hadith that we use to make it clear that the adhan is not obligatory. That otherwise both would have to have done it. But he said, let one of you do it. Which means that yani, one is sufficient. Yes? Um, and the Shafi'i school, they agreed upon the recommendation of following the muqim. And therefore, the muqim meaning the one who's given their qama. So you repeat everything that he's saying. Other than hayala, uh, then you will say the hawqala. So when he says hayala salah, you say la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, just as you would in the adhan. As for Sheikh Al-Albani, was his personal position. Sheikh Al-Albani, he himself said what I said before, which is a minority position, which is that sometimes you will say hawqala, and sometimes you just say hayala. You won't follow him uh, completely all the time. Okay? Uh, what else? I tell you what is also very uh, uh, interesting. Um, the dua that we're going to be covering now Allahumma rabba hadihi da'wati tamma This dua Should that be said after the iqama as well? Now remember That's like a proper dua And you know especially in the Hanafi mosque There's not a second delay Remember that the three imams They allow a delay after the iqama And the Salah, yes. In the Hanafi school, I told you this before, I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that depending upon which Hanafi masjid you go to, and yani, you know what kind of uh, school of the, from the Hanafis they're following, some will actually, you'll hear that the, 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 the imam, when he's going, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, there's like not even half a second delay. Super quick. And they take the hadith super literally, that the, and, and why? Why? Because they said qadqamati salah, the prayer has been established. And by the way, that's not just the Hanafis. Actually, even the Shafi'is, and certainly the Hanafis, they said it's makruh to delay the prayer. Once you've said the statement qadqamati salah, it is makruh to delay the prayer. Now the Shafi'is were more nuanced than it. The Shafi'is, they said it is makruh to delay the prayer illa bil haja. Unless there's a reason. Now, what's the reason? Now this is, this is interesting, right? Now a, a clear reason is to straighten the lines. To straighten the lines is an obligation agreed by the four imams. This is an absolute condition of the prayer and the prayer line. That the prayers must be. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, Sobu sufufakum. Sobu yani, is an obligatory statement. Hey, you must straighten your lines. Wasuddul khalal. Yani, it is a, it's like, and we have so many hadith. Where the Prophet ﷺ and certainly the companions, after the iqamah, during the iqamah, they're walking up and down making everyone straight. That's one hadith. The other much more famous hadith, which I think I mentioned, well, when? I mentioned this last time? The Prophet ﷺ, uh, let me give you the... Let me give you the actual narration, so that I just don't hear any... I marked it here, man, but I can't find it. 
Anyway, Al-Muhim, the Prophet ﷺ was once I'm so upset I can't find that. Anyway, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, a Bedouin, an Arabi, came to him. He said, Liahaja. This is after the Iqamah had happened. Okay? So uh, a Bedouin comes into the masjid and he goes, I have a, I have a need, Ya Rasulullah. Iqamah has happened. The Prophet ﷺ went to the back of the masjid and he started chatting to him. The companion said, because I can't find the hadith, so I can't find the, the Rawi. He said that we waited, we waited. Some of us started to fall asleep. Yani they were sitting down and they started doing this. You know, the old chicken nod, yani, you know how it is, yeah? So they started yani, doing the old nod, nod, yeah? And the Prophet was still talking to the Arabi. Still talking, still talking. And then he finished, he went to the front, he said, Allahu Akbar. That's very important, subhanAllah. Okay? So I want you to know one thing that um, the Shafi's got it right on this one, alright? That the definition of the statement Qad is clear. Yeah? That the prayer is has to be established. That's why the majority of the scholars of three Imams are upon this opinion. Yeah? That Qad Qamat the prayer established means that you need to hurry up and pray. However, if there's a reason someone comes, and that's the good thing that we learn, that the reason cannot mean doesn't have to be war, doesn't have to be the whole masjid falling down or an accident outside. If someone has a reason and says, I just need something, then that's sufficient. Yeah? Otherwise the prayer should be entered upon. All right. Also, another important point as a as a point of practice. And someone asked me this the other day. Um, what's the definition of lo- sh- uh, short and, and 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 long kind of period of waiting? And what if it's long? Do we need to repeat the statement again? And um, the ulama they said that there's no evidence that you need to repeat the iqamah again, and it's never been done before. And most importantly, this discussion went on. The companions, some of them, fell asleep. And the Prophet ﷺ never repeated the, the iqamah. Never repeated the iqamah. He said, Allahu Akbar. So there is no repetition of the iqamah, however long the prayer has been delayed. And don't forget that the, the iqamah is a sunnah and not an obligation. Okay? And so that also helps you understand the ruling as well. Yeah. Okay? Um, another really important point. I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but a lot of people, they... Um, they, when it comes to the iqamah, I told you what happens, when should you stand up? Do you remember that? We covered it, yes? Who remembers that? No. When you see the imam. Okay, we covered that. When you see the imam. And I mentioned to you at that time that many of the salaf, many, they used to really hate it and it used to be considered something yani, uh, uh, bad. That people hang around trying to put that kind of passive-aggressive kind of, you know, pressure upon the imam. You know, you see that, yeah? So the iqamah goes, for example, or even the iqamah doesn't go, but people are standing up, right? And so that the imam comes in, and it's like, yeah, we've been waiting for you, where you been? Do, do you understand? We are only you, yes. We don't need you to, yani, you can be quiet now, yeah? But we don't want you to, we don't want you to be thinking, I can have a couple of cups of tea inside. That's the day you are talking the truth, today uh, Allah. <laughs> this is why I told everyone to stay in this dance, huh? Yeah, yes. Yes, well done. Good. Yeah. But it's true. And um Oh sorry, sometimes we have like, some people knocking the door. They knock on the door. What's going on, man? Where are you? So um now this is the, I'm gonna read to you what um what Imam At Tirmidhi said. 
before you start saying Abu Isa said. <coughs> Abu Isa did say, but this is different Abu Isa. Abu Isa at Tirmidhi. At Tirmidhi, Abu Isa. He's the most famous. He's the second most famous Abu Isa, of course. Yeah, yes. Taban, Taban. From our region, Akhi. He's not Arab anyway. That's what I said, from our region. I told you, man. You think I was joking? That's it, from our region. Khalas. So Imam at Tirmidhi, he said, um, let me actually let me actually give you the full story. The the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he said, "Ida aqimat al-salaf la taqumu hatta taruni." Okay. When the estab when the prayer is established, the qama is given. Then do not establish the prayer until you see. Do, sorry, do not stand up until you see me. Until you see me. And this hadith is noted by Abu Qatada al-Ansari. And uh, this hadith is an evidence that the people should not stand up for the prayer until they see the imam in the masjid. And this is the position of the majority of the ulama. Imam al-Tirmidhi said, after he narrated this hadith as well, which by the way is narrated in Bukhari, okay? He said, and a number of the people of knowledge from, uh, from the companions of the Prophet you know, there's so much yeah, knowledge just in this statement. I'm going to read in Arabic so, so you just realize this. Yeah. Think about that statement. Okay? That a group of the people of knowledge from the companions of the Prophet hated. He is indicating the differences of knowledge in between the companions. Have you noticed that? Did you see that statement? Yeah, and this is the, the statement of an alim. Yani. He is not saying that all of the companions were ulama in the religion. And you, you, that's, there's so much of fiqh in that statement. وَغَيْرُهُمْ And then others. Yani. أَنْ يَنْتَظِرِ النَّاسَ الْإِمَامُ وَهُوَ قَيَّامُ Okay. وَقَالَ بَعْدُهُمْ إِذَا كَانَ الْإِمَامُ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ فَأُقِيمَةِ الصَّلَاةِ فَإِنَّمَا يَقُومُونَ إِذَا قَالَ الْمُؤَذِّنِ قَدْ قَامَتِ السَّلَاةِ قَدْ قَامَتِ السَّلَاةِ Let's, let's make it clear. First of all, there is an opinion that uh, when the Imam, when the Mu'addin said, Qad qamat salah Qad qamat salah then you should stand up because of the linguistic, yani the prayer stood up, the prayer stood up, you should stand up as well. This was the position of one of the great Imams, Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, one of the major Imams of Atabi'in. Um, now, however, the majority of the scholars, they, they, they did what? They said that you must not stand up until the Imam comes in. And that was the position of the companions, the people of knowledge from the companions and others as well. And that's the class position as well. However, I just want to make a very, a very important point. There's a difference between, for example, my standing and the standing of someone who's sitting down. So I normally arrive right on the jama'ah time. I have two options, right? If the imam is not there, I either start praying my tahit al-masjid, two rak'ah for the masjid, I'm looking at the time, it is time for jama'ah. I know he's going to come out any second. And then I'm going to have to break my prayer unnecessarily and it's not good. So what do I do? I know the Prophet ﷺ has said that one should not sit down until they pray these two rak'ah of Tahitul Masjid. And so I can't sit down, or I shouldn't sit down. And I haven't prayed, so I remain standing. My standing is not the standing of the one who's been in the masjid for 5-10 minutes. And he's sitting there waiting, he's got irritated. Where is this imam? Okay, and then he stands up. And he, he stands up and he says, you know, what's going on? Do you understand that point? Yeah. With this, I want to give some advice. As I've said that these two standings are not the same from a fiqh point of view. But remember that the rulings of Islam are not just about the fiqh. 
It's about adab as well. The imam doesn't know that you are of option A or B, category A or B. Do you understand this? And therefore, if you are one of these people who is standing because you don't want to pray the two rak'ah of the Hitchul Masjid for whatever reason, you don't think you finish it, blah, 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 you stand at the back. Is that clear? You stand at the back, stand at the sides, so that you are not of the impatient standing folks. Because those are very, very clear. Those people who are standing up yani, in the kind of middle areas and whatever, whatnot, and they shouldn't be putting pressure upon the imam. Now, I think I mentioned this before, but if I didn't, I said that this isn't a straightforward matter. This is complicated because if we were to just ignore this issue completely, right, then the imams then will start to also become very lazy and the jama'ah will be starting to become uh, loose as well. Now, this is where the balance is trying to be found. It's very difficult, yeah? And on one hand, on one hand, it's clear that the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is teaching the Muslims that there is nothing more important than the imam. And that's a very important at the point that should be learned. And that's the ultimate aim of this. And that there's no such thing as a set time per se. Yeah? That the imam has to work to 8 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whatever. It is when the imam comes out, that's when the salah is. And the proof of that is how the Prophet ﷺ used to treat the prayer. When the iqamah would go, he'd do the lines. If the iqamah would go, he'd go to the end and he would, uh, you know, speak to someone. If that happened today... <laughs> Imam is gone next day, khalas, finished. Because he'd be saying, well, what's happening, man? I put the football on pause at home, yeah? And I've come... <laughs> That's what we, we did anyway, yeah? And I've come here, and, you know, my man's having a ch- you know, chinwag with my man at the back. Can't you wait until after Salah? You understand the kind of stuff. At the same time, we do live in a different time, and during work, and taking a break, especially lunchtime, and there's a system that's built around the timings of the masjids. You know what I'm saying? It's a difficult balance. On one hand, we want to try and make it clear that the prayer time is when the imam comes out. On the other hand, we want to try and create a system of punctuality which theoretically goes against the first principle. So there needs to be some kind of balance. And what I teach my students is to say to them that the balance is this. That you shouldn't stand up and shouldn't make an issue and whatever. That one to five minutes, it doesn't affect anyone and it's close to the sunnah. But when it starts to become a habit that a person is coming out ten minutes late and every time, then it should be put to the trustees or the elders to say, okay, you know what it is? We don't want to go against the sunnah. We don't want to put the pressure upon the imam. But for the last five days, at lunchtime, he's come ten minutes late each single time. And each time we've gone back and we've got in trouble with work, blah, 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 blah. So there's a... I'm saying there's an unacceptable limit and there's a sunnah kind of one. I think that everyone... Yani I find it very irritating when people are looking at the clock within five minutes of a jama'ah time. Yes, and I, I mean, nowadays we have regular imam, but um, uh, in this masjid, certainly in Makki, I remember, and whatever, whatnot, um, when I would be sitting in the masjid, when I would be sitting in the masjid, Makki masjid is a very good example of this actually because Hafiz uh, 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 Hamoud, Hafizahullah ta'ala, wara'ahu masha'ala tabarakallah, doesn't care about anyone, okay? He's a don. So when you're a don and you live in the area for the last 20 years, yeah, you have everyone underneath you. No one tells you when to come. And my man will bowl in anytime he wants, yeah? Okay? We used to have this situation all the time. Now, I used to be one of the senior folks there, as from, you know, knowing Quran and stuff, and other guys are old, they don't know anything. And uh, uh, so at, uh, uh, what would happen is that as soon as it goes one, uh, eight, one minute past eight, yes, like Isha, for example, Someone would be sent over to come and tap me on my back or, you know, say, please come forward, whatever, whatnot. 
And I would say, I would say, tap me for what? It's only one minute past eight. Give him some time, Yani. And regular as clockwork, four minutes past eight, he'd walk in. Huh? Or five minutes past eight, he would walk in, whatever. And I used to tell these people, I said, don't look at the clock. Yani, the fi- yani my, my statement would be that, you know, as they say that the line is for the umpire. Yes, in the cricket, this is a phrase. Okay, I said that five minutes is for the imam. This zero to one, all is, it's like, for me, it's like eight o'clock. It doesn't matter if it's 8.05 or 8.04 or 8 o'clock, it's all 8 o'clock. Just like when, for example, that you're about to be doing an old ball, I'm teaching you here now in cricket. It doesn't matter whether you are, your foot is completely behind the line, or if there is one millimeter that's behind the line, you are behind the line. That's why, that's why they say, the line is for the umpire. So the five minutes is for the imam. Sheikh is dying to make a statement. So. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, we appreciate the people. You're most welcome. Uh, the second brother, Sheikh Abu Isa, for the, the Imam, he should come early because he's an example. Sometimes you see the Imam came late. Let's say, for example, we are praying, uh, let's say, for example, Dhuhr, 135. An Imam came in 135, he makes two sunnah. Mm. When he finishes, make dua. Oh. <laughs> that's liberty. That's liberty. You're taking yes. liberties, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Look, brother Abu Isa, if you compare our home and here is different. These people, they are coming to their own duty. Yes. They are working. You should do as you can. But uh, sometimes you can see the Imam, he had the Adam um, Maghrib and makes tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not fair. Yes, because these people, they come to the Salah. Yes. Then if the, 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 the problem themselves is happening uh, between the Imam and the trustee number one. Yes. Then if you come, for example, late, the people, if not, if, first of all, the Imam should not fear the trustee. They are human beings like you. Respect only. Fear Allah. If you come always late, the, even the people, even if they not tell the trustee, <laughs> most of the trustee, I'm not saying the, the, the CMA, but they are not coming to the side. Then, if, yes, yes. Then, if, if you, the people, uh, you are losing the people then. So. You are late, all the time late. That, that number, that, 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 well, finally. So that is another uh, narration, if it is, this and this, the, the, if I can't remember. The, the message of Allah came after the Iqama, and he remembered he was Janabah. Yep. Yes, he yes. came back. Yes, and Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar wants to remind us of the hadith that one time the Prophet ﷺ, he came, he not, here's the point, he didn't forget that he had no wudu, he was in a state of junub, so he had to go and make a bath, everyone stood right there, and they waited, and the hadith, as the Prophet ﷺ said, that when he came back, he was, he was dripping of water. Head was dripping of water. People chill. So this is the problem. You see, you've got these narrations which show these huge gaps and whatever, whatnot, okay? And whatever. And then you've got, obviously, as Sheikh said, uh, the fact that an example needs to be set. The people are not so patient anymore. And by the way, let me add as well, and me and Sheikh often have this discussion and joke amongst us. The masajid are not the same and the people who come to the masjid are not the same either. So this is a masjid generally of working people. This is like a middle-class masjid, right? People are normally working, whatever. You have other masjid in our beloved ghettos, yeah? Where the people who are there, they're 99% of the time, 
They are Uzgar people, yani all unemployed or retired or whatever. They've got, they spend the whole time in the masjid, etc., etc. And so for them, it's a different kind of uh, reality versus, hey, yani there's a, meaning that this is not so straightforward. It's not just a case of here's a hadith and bang. There needs to be some fiqh, some experience, some politics, some discussion. And, you know, the fact that we live in a country and a time where time is very, very important and so on and so forth. We're looking at the prayer times, for example. I mean, we're going to come to the prayer times. That's another issue. You see, no one has any idea how to calculate a prayer time. Everyone is purely going on a clock. So why, yeah, and we should ask ourselves, why are we being saying we are, why are we being so strict on the issues of like these matters when the people just only know what a clock means, they don't know anything else. Yeah? And there's many points to say about this. I mean, you could go on and on. Anyway, uh, yes? Just to clarify the point, Iqamah does not go until the Imam's there. Is that right? What's that mean? Correct, correct. So Unless there's an agreement. Unless there's an agreement. Because some masajid, the Imam himself is, you know, he agrees to it. I will come when I hear the Iqamah. I was just like, uh, you know, some, I mean, in the Muslim countries we all know this, but in, for example, even in the UK, in some masajid, you have that system. You know, in the big kind of cosmopolitan masjid they have to deal with, you know, like East London masjid, like Regent's Park masjid. So, <laughs> I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. Well, it's not a story. It only happened on Friday. But yeah, <laughs> it's still a story though, isn't it? Yeah? So, uh, uh, I was at East London masjid. <laughs> this is pure bestie. I'm doing my bestie in front of everyone. But what's new? So, um, Yasser Qadi was giving the khutbah at East London masjid. If you haven't heard the khutbah, make sure you do. Okay. Type into Google East London Mosque Khutbah Yasser Qadi. Listen to it. Absolutely brilliant khutbah. If you want to see the example of what to give in terms of content, pace, tone, time, emphasis, you want to study something, Quran, Sunnah, very good. Even though it's a little bit long for my liking, but still, <laughs> it was good. Um, <laughs> East London Masjid is absolutely rammed. And it was Good Friday. So all of Bangladesh was there. All of it. Yeah? I'm telling you, it was amazing. MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. And there was upwards of eight, 9,000 people. And it's rammed, rammed, rammed. And you know, SubhanAllah, East London Mosque is one of the practicing mosques as well. So the people, they come for the Jum'ah, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Front row, the front row's gone. Forget about front row. Yeah? Anyway, we arrived for the khutbah at... Um, uh, the khutbah is at 12.35. Yes? This was before the hour went back last Friday. Uh, and um, <laughs> the, um, uh, we arrive at 12.30 and the guy waiting at the gate and he lets us in. It was, it was, uh, there was four of us. There was four of us. Me, Asad, Ghassan and Yasir Qadi. Four of us. And we told the guy who was the organizer, make sure you reserve three spaces. Yes? Because he would be, have the imam's position. Yeah, so we need three spaces. Because where are we going to sit? And we need to leave immediately afterwards. Like immediately. So anyway, this whole story has all become big. But I mean, it's only about the room I was talking about. The point is, is that, uh, uh, that the new masajid, they have rooms behind the, the member. And that's where the imam stays. And the point I was making is that he has his own speaker and he has his own thingy. And when the iqama goes, he comes out. 
So that's what I meant to say that the, when the Imam, is it permissible for the Iqamah to be given before the Imam is there? Answer is yes, as long as it's arranged. And the big masajid, that's exactly what they do. They, they have the people in the room waiting for like 5-10 minutes. They normally pray their salah there. They somehow, some have a wudu area, some have tea and so on and so forth. And they're sitting there. This is not the Imam's quarters. That's another room separately for guests and things. This is just waiting for the Iqamah. So you just come straight out. And in Masjid Nabawi, same thing, but it's just a little bit longer walk. Okay, so in East London Masjid, it is right behind the the uh, member and right behind where the Imam is. So we were all sitting, standing there, right, <laughs> right, standing there, and the 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 Iqama. There's a few seconds left, and the Iqama goes, yeah. And so uh, the guy who was organizing everything, he grabs uh, Sheikh Yasser. And then he goes forward, and the uh, the and uh, Asad goes uh, okay, and the guy goes we've only got one space. <laughs> we said one space, and we all three of us big lads, mashallah, yeah. So we said, what are we gonna do here then? So I said, don't worry. Uh, so I pushed the photographer because I said it's good that he gets it on camera so everyone can benefit. So I go, you go forward then. Asad has a heart attack. Yes. The door closes behind us. This is real true. The calm is going on. And we are now trapped <laughs> in the room at the member. The calm is going, the adhan is going, sorry. And everyone's thinking. And, and Asad's going, oh, what am I going to do? I said, what are we going to do? This is the greatest khutbah of my entire life. I sat down. There was cushions all over the place. I lied down. I heard the best khutbah ever. Ever. And then as soon as the iqama was given, I said, Asad, come on. We pulled him by the hand. Walked straight out, stood right next to the Imam, both of us, yani, right on his musalla. Allahu Akbar, job done. Best khutbah of my life. You want to give the adhan? Bismillah. <laughs> Allahu <laughs> 
So actually the section right now is what do we say after the adhan? Okay, when the adhan is given, what do we say? And this is point three. And this is the dua that you make. The Prophet ﷺ said, Man nida. Whoever says as soon as he hears the statement, Allahumma rabba hadihi da'wati tamma wa salati al-qa'ima ati muhammadan al-wasilata wal-fadila wa ba'athu maqaman mahmooda alladhi wa'adta halat lahu shafa'ati yawm al-qiyamah Whoever says this hadith after the uh, adhan, the Prophet said that he will receive my shafa'a on the day of Qiyamah. That's why, brothers and sisters, always remember this dua. Always remember this dua. Okay, so let's talk about this then, inshallah, in the remaining uh, 10 minutes that we have. Um, this dua, I think we'll read the English for it, yes? What's, what's, what's the text? Is there anything else that we should say, by the way, after, just while we're here? After the adhan? The Durud Sharif, correct, yes? The Salat upon the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to send Salat upon me, send Salat upon me, whoever sends Salat. This is talking about after the Adhan. Whoever, man salla aliyya, sallallahu alayhi ashra. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that whoever says Salat upon me, Allah will send upon him ten times Salawat. Now listen carefully. That means that a person is, is permissible for him to say, after the adhan is finished, La ilaha illallah, then you would then say, Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It is actually technically allowed for you to do that because that's what Sallu alayya means. Send salah upon me means to say, Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. However, however, Al Akmal wal Afdal, the most complete and the best thing to say is, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. كَمَا صَلَّيْتَ عَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَعَلَىٰ آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَبَارِكْ عَلَىٰ مُحَمَّدْ وَعَلَىٰ آلِ مُحَمَّدْ كَمَا بَارَكْتَ عَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَعَلَىٰ آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ إِنَّكَ حَمِيدٌ مَجِيدٌ Okay, that is what you should say. This is narrated by the Prophet ﷺ. There are three different authentic versions of this, uh, what we call Salawat Ibrahimiyah, or what we Pakistanis, we call Durul Sharif, yes? So this is the this is the statement that you should make after the adhan as well. This durud, um, the extended one is sufficient. If you want to say innaka hamidun majid in the first part as well, that's sufficient. But this is the most authentic. The one that I just said, this is the most authentic. All right. So this should be said after every adhan. Now the point that I was going to make is that is this also said? What I just said. Allahumma rabbahadhihidda'watitama. And Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad Is this said also after the iqamah? And Shaykh al-Bani he mentions that Only Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned that But there is no evidence for this at all There is no evidence for this That a person should make this dua So that makes things a little bit easier Also by the way I just want to clarify something When the Mu'addin said Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. There are four mentionings of shahada. But the tashahud or the shahada technically is only the first two. And I just realized that I don't want to give you the impression that you say, Wa ana ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa wahdahu la sharika la, wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasulu. 
رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّ وَبِمُحَمَّدِ رَسُولَ وَبِإِسْلَامِ دِينَ This should only be said for the first two, not for the second two as well. Not four. I think I said at the beginning four, right? So it should only be said for the first two. أَشْهَدُ وَاللَّهِ إِلَّا إِلَّهِ Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. So only response to that. Not in response to Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Nothing, not four times. Yeah, is four times. Yeah, this one is not four times. Yeah, that's why I just wanted to clarify because I think I said it should be four times, but it's only two. So what did we learn? We learned a lot of things, right? We learned exactly what's to be said after the um, Adhan. And what's to be said during the Adhan. And we've also learned what is to be said during the Iqamah. And we've also learned now that there's nothing to be said after the Iqamah. Okay? And also, there should be a point that should be mentioned. A lot of people, they say, when the, when the Muqeem, when the one who gives the Iqamah, he says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah. You hear everyone say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. That's not, there's no, there's, that's not, yani, that's not Sunnah. You say la ilaha illallah, yes? But to say la ilaha illallah only, which is what people say, that's also incorrect. So when, just like you repeat after the mu'addin, when the mu'addin says, shadu la ilaha illallah, you say shadu la ilaha illallah, we should do the same in the iqamah, silently, quietly, and quickly, same speed as the muqeem. And when he says la ilaha illallah, we also say la ilaha illallah, and you don't add Muhammad rasulullah because that's not what the mu'addin said, and the Prophet said, qulu bithla ma yaqulu, Al-Mu'addin. Say exactly as what the Mu'addin says. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah? Okay. Alright, I think we'll call it there because next week I think I'm going to explain this hadith. And it's a very beautiful section. Actually, Shaykh Uthameen gives the commentary, the sharh of this dua of Allahumma Rabba Hadihi Da'wat Tamma. It's a huge hadith, this, by the way. I mean, in terms of its importance. The hadith is very small. But what the Prophet ﷺ told us about this hadith is very amazing. Especially the wasila. The Prophet ﷺ said, Sallallahu Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give me al wasila. He specifically told the Muslims to do that. That's me and you. And just to give you a little teaser, yani before next week, the Prophet ﷺ said, Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for al wasila. They said, Ya Rasulullah, ma, 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 ma wasila. What is the wasila? The Prophet ﷺ said, The wasila is a position that will be given close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that no single man will be given except one. وَأَنَا أَرْجُوْ أَنْ أَكُونَ هَذَا And I hope that I am going to be that person. So he, subhanAllah, think about this. I want you to think about this. Just when you're about to pray. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously, five times a day. And our minds are not there, you know, much of the time. Yani this prayer is meant to be you asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for ability, and so on. The Prophet ﷺ, you may think because he, his sins are forgiven, that which is yani, done previously or that could ever happen, all his sins are forgiven. Yet he is always asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. And not just only asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help, but he's telling and asking you guys for help. He's asking me for help, and he's asking all of you for help as well. He said, Sallallahu al wasila. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give me the wasila. He doesn't believe that he is going to get it by himself. Why else would he ask for it? And this is the humility of the Prophet ﷺ. This is also a recognition that we only go to Jannah out of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. Not because of how good we are, because otherwise the Prophets would go straight in with khalas. So it's a responsibility, subhanAllah, that when he's asked us, we should respond. That's why very important when the Mu'addin finishes the Adhan, Allahumma rabba hadihi da'wati tamma. 
okay oh allah master of this complete call okay we also add muhammad in wasila wal fadila give muhammad the wasila and the fadila as well okay that's very 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 important not only do you respond to his request and you're helping him sallallahu alaihi wasallam but also in return the prophet ﷺ said in return you're going to get my intercession i will guarantee it and that day when you need it you don't need it now you don't need it tomorrow you will need it when you're standing in front of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you realize that you thought you did so much but actually you didn't do anything at all and that for the things that you forgot about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't forget about all the bad in the world you think you're destroyed suddenly the shafa'a of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam comes job done you know what i'm saying so it's very very important very important that we don't take these things lightly and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best we have i think um we have maybe two or three minutes anything um any uh, uh key, yes i'm not sure if it was covered last week but you know the 19 word adhan yes the tarjiyah should we say it as well it? excellent question in the 19 word adhan when the muaddin is doing tarjiyah and what do we say tarjiyah is <laughs> he says to himself yep as is the sunnah of the prophet no you do not say it for the first four you say it based upon the four that is said for you okay the four that you hear all right that's a good question anything online we're good any final questions let's pack up Yes, we're going to have the salah on. Yeah, we'll have the salah on for every one of the lessons now um, for continuation, inshaAllah.